0: About two weeks ago, I joined a friend of mine on a journey uh, to try to get a a bit healthier. We joined a platform, a program where we record what we eat every day and how much we exercise in an app, and then we have an online community that encourages us and holds us accountable. So every morning I wake up and I I open the app on my phone and I I have a a plan that I need to follow and and a couple of, of short articles to read to kind of encourage me throughout the day. The whole intent of this program is to help me to develop healthy habits, recognizing that it takes intentionality and discipline over a long period of time to build those healthy routines. It's something that's true with our, our physical health, and it's something that's also true with our emotional and spiritual well-being as well. So this summer, as, as a church, we're going to spend some time developing health habits that help us draw near to God. Now, in the church world, when we talk about these habits, we often refer to them as as spiritual disciplines. We live in a a messy and fast-paced world. There's always something competing for our attention, and and it takes discipline or something like a a global pandemic to force us to to kind of slow down a bit. But even in the midst of of what we're going through today, even in the midst of, of this pandemic, if we're not careful... we we can run the risk of either becoming really lazy or or developing unhealthy habits. Now, depending on on what study you read, it takes anywhere from 60 to 120 days of being intentional to create a habit. One popular study claims it takes 10,000 hours of practice of that habit for for that habit to become second nature. Now, my hope is that as, as a church we would be challenged and stretched into a deeper faith, one that constantly is aiming to grow as we're nudged into some new routines. So starting next Sunday, next weekend, I'm going to introduce a specific habit, a specific spiritual discipline during the sermon, and I'm going to invite us all to practice it to some degree that following week. Now this morning, we're not going to start with a habit. We're going to talk a bit about spiritual growth in general. And why it's important for everyone, everyone who, who's journeying after Jesus. There are hundreds of definitions out there that, that kind of define the phrase spiritual dis- discipline. So lots of different definitions for spiritual discipline. But for our purposes, we'll give it the, the kind of broad definition of any inward or outward activity that pushes us, that pushes us toward living in a way that lines up with what Jesus taught, in what Jesus modeled. Any inward or outward activity that pushes us toward following after what Jesus taught and modeled. Dallas Willard, who's written a ton on spiritual growth, separates these disciplines into two different categories. He says that there's, there's disciplines of engagement, where we take up something new, like prayer or study or worship. And there, there are disciplines of abstaining, where we, we make it a conscious choice to go without something to strengthen our faith. Disciplines like fasting, or solitude, or Sabbath. When the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, someone that he coached, someone that he walked with, someone that he mentored, he, he told Timothy to train himself up in godliness. And that's exactly what we are doing when we practice these spiritual disciplines. But we're setting ourselves up for growth. Now, Second Peter is, is one of the, the last letters written to the early church, and it, it spends a lot of time reminding early Christ followers of what's most important. Now, there's all kinds of debate out there amongst scholars about when exactly it was written and who actually wrote it. But there is consensus in in the belief that by the time it made its way around to the different churches, to the early church community, Paul's letters were already available and were readily being read. So we can almost think of 2 Peter as, as a recap or as a, a reminder of what, what the early church saw as being most important. The, the, the epistle, Second Peter, it concludes with, with these words. Here are these words from Second Peter chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. You therefore, beloved, since you are forewarned, beware that you are not carried away with the error of the lawless and lose your own stability." But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. This conclusion starts with remember what you already know. You've been warned and you've been taught. Now it's your time to act, to to live out your faith. One of the reasons I thought spiritual disciplines would be an appropriate series for us right now at WPC is that we tend as a church to spend a lot of time studying. We, we value scripture. We read theology. We, we cling tightly to our reformed roots. And I love that about our tradition. I love that about our church. But at the same time, knowledge only takes us so far. It's one thing to read and have conversations about biblical concepts like love and mercy and stewardship. But it's another to act on what we've learned, to act on what we know. So we're talking about spiritual disciplines this summer in order that our knowledge might be transformed into something tangible, that our knowledge might actually become action, that it actually shapes our individual lives and our life together as a church. Second Peter continues, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. Now it's important that we see that in Peter's mind, grace and knowledge, they're, they're connected with one another. When we, we grow to the place where we truly understand that, that we can't do anything to earn God's love, we learn that grace flows directly from God. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And as we experience that truth, grace begins to flow from our lives out into others. Now, I've said this, this here with our church before, uh, but it's been incredibly important for my own spiritual journey. The more I invest into my relationship with Jesus, the, the more intentional I am with trying to live a way that, that honors God, the more aware I become of my own brokenness, of my own own ways I fall short, my my own need, really, for grace. And so spiritual disciplines like solitude and silence, they they reinforce that need, but they also draw me in to this, this continual journey of growth. Early in the service, we read from Psalm 42. Now, usually when we talk about the Psalms, We focus in on how they were originally uh, written, originally meant to be poetry or songs that were were used for corporate worship, for worship services when we were all together. And that's definitely true about Psalm 42. But when I reflect on this psalm and and how it was composed, I picture someone kind of sitting by themselves in solitude, thinking about God and and thinking about their own personal experience and, and journaling their response. Now, in most of our Bibles, there's a heading above Psalm 42 that says, for the director of music, a mass kill of the sons of Korah. Now, there are a couple things that, that kind of stand out about this heading. First, the, the sons of Korah were a group of priests who were in charge of the music ministry in the temple. And, and, and so this psalm was essentially written by them for the conductor. So it would be like, one of our choir members, writing a song and handing it to Ed and saying, Ed, I've got something for us to use during worship, the sons of Korah. And secondly, there's this this funny word, maskil, which is a Hebrew verb that doesn't really translate well into English, and it basically means to make someone wise or to instruct. So this is an instruction song, if you Most psalms are are written to be a meeting place of the head and and the heart. They combine what we think and what we feel, our thoughts and our emotions. And they attempt to describe how that that meeting place looks. And this psalm captures that, that really well, I think. It's essentially someone's story of how to connect and how to grow with God. Now, the first truth that this psalmist tells us about spiritual growth is that it occurs when we're honest. Psalm 42 goes from talking about God being a rock to God being distant. It's something most of us have experienced at one point or another. The writer is honest. He longs to know God. His soul thirsts for God. But at the same time, he knows that something is missing. So in verse nine, he writes, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forgotten? Words that I'm sure some of us have felt at different times. The the, the Psalms have a way of bringing opposite emotions into the same conversations. The feeling of God being near at one moment and distant in the next. It's human. Throughout my life, there have been seasons where I've, I've been diligent with journaling each and every day. And when I go back and I I, I read through some of what I wrote five, six, seven or eight years ago, I see this roller coaster of good days and bad days of difficulties and, and reasons to celebrate. Spiritual growth comes as we're honest with God about whatever it is we're experiencing. When God feels near and when God feels free. The psalm also teaches us that spiritual growth is is introspective, so it invites us to look in a mirror. In in verse 5, the psalmist writes, Why is my soul so downcast? Why is it disturbed? It it really is like the author is staring at a reflection and saying, Who are you? What are you doing? Now, there's a book titled Spiritual Depression written by um, Lloyd Jones. And he talks about this passage, and in his words about this passage, he says, most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. So in the psalm, we see a man who is fed up with listening to that voice inside his head that keeps pushing him down. So, so he finally he stands up and he says, Self, listen just for a moment. Listen while I speak to you. And I'm not in any way trying to reduce spiritual growth or the psalm into some sort of self-help trick. It's so much more than that. But the reality also is we, we can only begin to understand who God has created us to be when we're willing to look honestly in the mirror. And to see our strengths and our weaknesses and how we're wired and how we're not and to see who God has created us to be. Lastly, the psalm reminds us that that spiritual growth is a battle. It doesn't come without hard work, and and, and we should expect internal and, and external resistance. The psalmist uses words like enemy and foes. He talks about his own despair, his own depression. And in the middle of the messy storm, he says he clings to hope in God, his savior. One of the most important parts about creating routines is that habits give us the tools we need to combat the inevitable challenges, those those difficult days that are coming, because we know they will come. Now, typically growth doesn't take place when, when things are easy, but, but it takes place when we learn to, to take our disciplines, to take our habits, to lean into them, to lean into God during the difficulties that come in life. It's when we're, we're stretched, when we're pulled, and when we're pushed in seasons like this that we begin to see God mold us for God's purpose. Now, Psalm 42, it's, it's a lament. It's clear that the psalmist isn't satisfied with the world, isn't satisfied with his life, but it's also an invitation. It's a lament, and it's an invitation to draw near to God. Now, I know many of us today aren't satisfied with how the world looks We're frustrated, we're sad, we're angry, we're we're broken. And in the middle of where we stand in this messy and busy world, I want to invite us to be honest, to be introspective, and and to participate in the hard work that's in front of us. I I want to invite us as a church church community to grow. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, may we be a people who commit to constant growth. Lord, help us to be disciplined. Help us to have healthy routines and and healthy habits in order that we might grow in our faith as we follow after you together. We pray these things in your name. Amen.